All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cart Overflow. I'm your host today, Gen Furukawa, and we talk about e-commerce marketing strategies, tactics, how brands are driving growth. A lot of that is contingent on the analytics that drive those decisions. And today we have Brian Eberman, who is the founder of, I'm sorry, the CEO of Zinc, which is a direct-to-consumer analytics platform. Brian, how are you today? Hi, good. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I always like to start with a little bit of background on you, your, your personal background, and then how, how you became the CEO of Zinc and what Zinc is. Sure, I can start with my own personal story if you want. So I, I've been a tech executive here in the Boston area for quite a while, mostly focused on data and data analytics companies because I have a PhD in AI and started off actually in the speech recognition industry, was in that industry for about 10 years before moving into the marketing space in 2006 with a lead gen company, which I ran for another six years. And then since then, I've run multiple consumer-focused businesses and in every one of those companies, you know, the acquisition funnel, how you deal with the acquisition funnel, where you focused for consumer marketing is really a key element. In uh, my last gig before coming to Zinc was with Thrasio, the largest aggregator of Amazon brands in the world, where we really saw the opportunity of trying to help these companies as a platform play. Right. Therese was buying a lot of Amazon and some Shopify companies where the founders had basically reached the limit of what they wanted to do as a management capability, right? And a growth. But part of the reason they decided they didn't couldn't grow anymore was they could no longer, they couldn't really understand the business, right? Both from a growth perspective and from an operating perspective. So at Zinc, we're focused not just on advertising and marketing, but ultimately on really being the data analytics platform for helping e-commerce companies run their business. Awesome. And and so from what I gather, the platform offers insights into some of the key KPIs that a brand will be looking for, acquisition costs, lifetime value, average order value, churn rates, all these things. But maybe can you give a little more insight on why a brand would find value in Zinc and like what they're using it for to extract insights? Yeah, so the really big difference, I think, for us versus the other companies in the space is we really come at it from a customer analytics perspective, which means we think that brands... You know, I was in marketing and product management for many, many years, right? And there are the five P's of product management. And one of the keys is like, understand your customer, understand what your customer wants, understand what, what the best messages are to reach your customer and understand which customers are worth the most to you, right? M both in revenue and in cost of acquisition. So we take that individual customer lens on all the analytics we do for our brands. It, it shows up the most specifically in our ability to give companies insights into the lifetime value of each individual customer instead of a monthly cohort and also give them the, a view of the individual cost of acquisition of each customer. And you see some really interesting plots and data when you, when you do that, right? A lot of everybody manages to the monthly number that, that they've set as a CEO founder or maybe the finance team has set in terms of, a, you know, a CPA that they want to hit, you know, return on ad spend they want to hit. <clears throat> but that average is hiding huge distributions of value. And we think when you take that lens, not only does it help your advertising, but it can help you think about your product retention. I was listening to one of your shows, Jen, on, on marketing in terms of email, right? Mm. And he talked a lot about how you want to make your email very specific to the customer. That's exactly our view, right? You want to think about what's the value of this customer? What products are they buying? Why are they buying the product? Are they engaging with you after they buy the product? And we help give you the analytics to that. So you can craft your retention channels 
how your acquisition channels more appropriately to your customers. Got it. Okay. So if we're talking hypothetical or if you have a case study, so actually like we had a uh, Leo Carrillo from Haircraft on as, as a guest earlier. And I, I love Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Leo's great. And he's yeah, continued to, uh, to expand his product line, but the, if we, if we take that as an example, and so let's say like Leo has a thousand customers and they bought like it's a men's hair care product. And, and so I'm going to mm-hmm. just like play devil's advocate or, or play the naive customer and mm-hmm. assume, okay, so Leo's got a thousand people who have bought mm-hmm. and the lifetime value would just be say like assuming like maybe they bought one or two Mm -hmm. products. So that's what you would help identify is like, how much have they purchased? But then are you also incorporating like predicted lifetime value? Because I saw that you, you highlight like AI is part of your background. And there also is an AI element of what your, your product offers. So the lifetime value is not simply previous transaction value, but you're assuming a lifetime value of future purchases. Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously you know that Leo is using our platform. So I, I'm not going to reveal a lot about Leo's business. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, of course. <laughs> but we've had a long relationship with Leo. He's a great guy. He's a great set of products. You know, so they're on. So there's a couple of things that are really interesting to them. First of all, they're on Amazon and Shopify, right? And one of the things we do, this is not going to be individual customer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop back to that. But, you know, he got into the business. He started his business on Amazon. And then he went to the Shopify side to get more insights onto his customers. Exactly the same conversation we're having here. Understand, you know, which customers are, what are his customers like? What products do they like? What are they really willing to pay for it? Right. And then he can loop back and use that information to affect his Amazon strategy. The way we play into that is those two channels really work together, right? You're advertising against your D2C channel, right? But it's generating sales on your Amazon side. Measuring that and understanding what that's really worth to you can be a significant effect on your overall mix and your overall profitability. And we are going to provide that insight to Leo at Haircraft. The second thing that's on the D2C side that's really interesting is just look at it before we get to the advertising side. We look at the lifetime value, right? The predicted long-term value. We build a model based on all the purchases of what each customer is likely to be worth to you over the next three, six, and 12 months, and whether they're likely to churn. And we use a data science engine to, to do that, an AI engine to do that. <clears throat> we can then, since we have it at the individual level, right, we can look at properties of those individuals. What product did they buy? What product did they buy most recently? What product buy did they buy last? What advertising channels did you get them with? What, how much of the website have they been engaged with, right? Where do they live? What devices are they on, et cetera? So an interesting insight that we gave him probably nine months ago was his most valuable lifetime product was actually his least sold product. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if they've made any changes to their marketing strategy because the D2C side is a little smaller than the Amazon side, but that's a that's a non market that's a marketing writ large kind of insight that could affect your overall positioning of products, right? And and of course, since this is a hair care and now skincare company, right? Great products. It's a re, it's a high retention business, right? It's about retention. It's about repeat purchase because it's a consumable, mm-hmm. right? And the one that had this great was basically a higher consumable. People had to buy it more often, and therefore it had higher LTV value. On 
the pure advertising side, the thing that's really interesting, not just for them, but for any company where there's repeat purchases or even first-time purchases is when you look at the AOV plus the average order value plus the future value, and you plot that against what did it cost me to get the customer, right? Everybody's saying, all right, well, in January, I spent this many dollars. I made this many dollars. So my averages are this, my average CAC, my average AOV, and maybe I'll plot my AOV over time for the same companies and for the same people. And I get an LTV estimate, right? So that tells you how well your company's performing. It tells you a little bit about what your margins are. It tells you what your cash flow is going to look like overall on the average. But the average and the spread are very, very different things. So you can very easily have, and it's true for aircraft, it's true for other companies. You can have people that are worth very little, aren't worth a lot to you, but cost you almost nothing to get. So they're actually super profitable, right? But then you can have other ones where you've touched them two, three, four, five times, and you're just bleeding money. Right. Right. And that actually tiers out. So you don't just have the low tier, but you have the mid tier, the upper mid tier, the upper tier, right? And in every one of those tiers, right? Even though like, all right, this guy's worth 10X to me, but it costs me 50 times as much to get him to show up, right? And come back. So I'm actually losing money. So we see two opportunities, really. The first one is, and this is where we're working on some case studies, is to stop spending money on the places where you're losing money, right? And cut as much of that as possible. And the second thing we see is, and this is true for a couple of Thrasio brands, there are people willing to spend a lot of money, <laughs> right? They may have very different internal motivations for why they're buying your product than your typical average customer, but they're also going to cost you a lot more money to get, mm-hmm. right? So, but the opportunity there is it could be very large, Right. And so by looking at it, this is, you know, you're back to the email segmentation, the customer, when people think about personalization as communication, it's also about value measurement. Right. Yeah. Can you explain that value measurement? That's strictly like quantified dollars of like, say, lifetime value. Like, well, not just value, cost. You have to consider both value and cost, Mm. right? You could cost, you could be worth a ton of me, right? You buy haircraft product every month. You're great. But every time I have to get you to come, I have to tell you again to come do it on Facebook. It costs me more on Facebook than, than the product's worth to me. You're a terrible customer. Right, right. Yeah, so I, it, now it's starting to make sense in terms of like the the insights that the data would give. And, and data is useless unless you're actually able to make decisions based on this with the confidence that it will incre- increase revenue and profits. Right. Basically, the the challenge that a lot of brands that brands are facing now is uncertain which channel to attribute the revenue to uncertain what the actual acquisition cost is uncertain how it plays out between different platforms, say Shopify or Amazon, and then spending appropriately for the value, the lifetime value of a company, right? So, or, or, yeah. So you're, you're basically saying like, let's say you have a marketing budget of $10,000. You basically just want to be most efficient by finding that the highest LTV to CAC ratio, right? That, that's where you're zoning in on. Correct. Because that's where you, and you really want LTV to include your, the total cost, not just the revenue, right? But if these are all D2C brands that we're helping, they're shipping something that costs them money. It has COGS, 
it has return rates, it has shipping costs, right? Those have to be accounted for in the value calculation side on the value side. And then you want the highest ratio of that resulting contribution profit to the cost of getting them to, acquire, to, to be acquired and stay with you. Right. Right. So, you know, we are complement. So attribution, we do, we do do attribution, but really we don't focus on that side because attribution is about, okay, I got this first piece of revenue, which of my channels accounted for it. Right. And it's kind of a black art and it's a little bit hard to do without really understand, knowing anything about the views, mm -hmm. right. Which you cannot do today. Right. No one can do the views except for Facebook and TikTok and those guys. I mean, they can't do the clicks anymore. That's why we have the disconnect and we could get into a long discussion about why this is. We focus on, the, on what you can measure, which is the first party click data, what you've actually spent, right? And how you're going to take all of your spending and attribute it to the ones who actually bought, right? And so we have a technique, a data science technique for doing that, that preserves the, the, well, I would say the heterogeneity, but the, the equivalence of the various people. We assign the people that are most like to each other, right? So if you think about it, let me put it this way. You know, in a month, if I, wanted to, if I was finance and I wanted to compute CAC, right, what I would do is I would take the total spend on all the acquisition channels and I would divide by the new customers I acquired. That's my CAC, sure. right? Super simple. Don't need a platform. Can download the data. Just I can do finance with that, right? So what we do is we say, all right, that's the correct number on average. There's no question that that's the correct number. But what we want to do is say, all right, got a bunch of people who came that we spent money to get to show up, right? But they didn't buy anything. So all those costs have to be assigned to the people who actually bought something. And we want to do that in a way that maintains the that basically makes all only assign it to people that are most similar to you. Mm. So did you did you come on the same ad? Did you come on the same day? Are you from the same device? Are you have the same behavior on the website? Right. There's a bunch of parameters that we have that basically say these two are similar. This guy bought, these guys didn't bought. I'm taking the cost of those who didn't bought and signing it. And so that's how we compute CAC. Got it. Um and of course, this is like all overlaid with the challenge of the, the, the current tech landscape, iOS 14 and, and the, the pixels and, and kind of right. like disconnected data, which is exactly, I think, right. where it comes to the need for almost a plug and play solution, whether it's you or some of the other alternatives on the market. Um, can you explain a little bit of, of like the overview as you see it on the challenges that brands are facing now to like to actually get a, a source of truth or something that they can believe in because from what i've seen and read from other brands that like every platform is trying to like claim that they, they delivered this result and so there's like it's a little bit muddied and and so like who to believe like like you said you see the top line revenue that's what matters most but kind of like a layer down and, and the top line costs Right. Yeah, yeah, and top line costs, yeah. So let's make sure we understand what actually happened and, and what the, the future trend is, right? So, I mean, the goal, Apple's goal and, you know, Google's goal, right? And Google's a little bit more late to the party because they have all their advertising dollars to, on it. But is they, it, both companies feel like, I, if I'm a brand, I have no right to know something about that user deeply until they become a customer. Right. That, that's effectively their position. 
Right. Their, their activity outside of your site. You can't their activity it. outside of your site, you don't get to know. Right. right. You have no right to know. And what Apple has done, and that applies to all, most strongly to all the advertising platforms. Right. So they did three, they did three or four things, all of which have slightly different effects. First, you know, when, you know, you saw all the ads from Apple and they said, you know, they saw all the people tracking, get iOS, don't get tracked. Right. The main thing they did is they changed it. So you have to give permission to pass the IDFA to an app. Right. So that majorly impacted all the app attribution companies, apps, flyer, adjust, all those guys, right? Because they were relying on the IDFA to link advertising back to the mobile download. So now it gets really hard if you're doing a mobile download business, which we're also working with mobile download companies, to know that certain ads led to a certain download. The next, the other three things they did is they said, if you're a tracking pixel, if you're a piece of JavaScript that you downloaded from somewhere else, and I can see that it's hitting a lot, that that piece of JavaScript keeps opening things on another website, no matter what website I go to, that's a tracking pixel, and I'm just going to block it. Hmm. So Facebook's pixel falls in that, TikTok, Snaps, even GAs falls in that category. And they basically said, we're going to block that. And, we're, and then the last thing they did is they said, anything, any cookie that you drop on the client side, I'm going to delete after seven days. End of story. So that's why Facebook's attribution window is now only seven days. Mm. That's why they made it seven days. So those are the things that are changed. And like, no one can solve those problems, right? It's just, it's just, that's just the way it is. So what people are doing and what we're doing is you have to do data science and you have to do it at the click level. Right. And you have to look at the clicks coming in and you have to sort of build a model of, okay, I know that one came from Facebook because it says so in the UTM parameters. I know this one came, this one's unattributed because there's no tracking tokens here. I got to figure out whether it likely came from Facebook or whether it was caused by Facebook using some data science modeling. Right. And we do that. I think that's what everybody else is doing because in the end, that's all you really can do. And you build correlative models to try and figure out where that traffic is actually coming from by looking at how much traffic they say they're creating and how much traffic you're actually seeing. Right. And, you know, ultimately, that's these kinds of data science driven models that are on first party data, which are going to be not specific to a user, but specific to a channel. Right. In the end, what we're saying is this ad drove this much traffic, right? I don't know who it is mm -hmm. necessarily, right? Until they buy, right? But I can say that I know that all the, that this ad, I saw this many people come in on that cookie, on that ad. And overall, we think it drove this much traffic in total. So it had this many clicks of your total clicks, right? That's all first party modeling and that's gonna be safe and that's gonna continue on into the market. And that's where we're gonna go. And the same thing's gonna happen in mobile. Right. You're going to have to say, all right, on mobile download based businesses, how much traffic did I get to my page where I send you off to the mobile app? How many app starts did I get that were new? What's the relationship between these from a data science perspective? I think that's what's going on. You're not going to be able to do direct tracking because the platforms are going to let you. Um, yeah. Got it. So this is where you're saying, if you can get down to an individual customer level, not only to know their their purchase history, their value, 
but to know their their source and and the the journey that they took to the site and to purchase that those those two kind of like data points are invaluable to to making these decisions on how to like market more right. correctly how to spend more correctly right yeah right and i'm saying more more specifically like so we drop a cookie you know it's a first party cookie coming from the website from the company itself right so it has better properties than coming from a tracking pixel we then look at the data and say all right we know you got a hundred clicks from facebook because facebook says you did right on this ad we can see this many so there's a bunch missing. We can figure out what's missing and where it is in the missing clicks. Because I know you had a thousand people come to your website, mm. right? And so we can say, okay, how many came from that ad? How many came from that ad? How many came from this from Google search? How many came to Google search because they came from Facebook, right? Or TikTok. That's the kind of data modeling we end up doing. Got it. Now, if we, if we talk kind of like that's on the acquisition side, now like more of the extended lifetime value and sure. and focusing on retention and churn, which is something that you all, your customers right. also focus on that, to draw insights right. from. Kind of like at a high level strategy, what are some of the effective ways to, that a brand, and, and again, like a consumable, like a hair care product makes sense besides maybe like, okay, we assume that this, this hair gel is generally used within three months. So three months from purchase date, we're going to send a reminder email. Hey, do you need to replenish your order? But I'd be curious to know like where you're seeing brands that are succeeding, what strategies they're employing in order to improve their lifetime value. Right. So our, our analytics looks at the lifetime value, but not only that, but makes a prediction of when the person's most likely will you to buy again? And what is the likelihood today that they're still a customer of yours, which means that they're likely to buy from you again, right? So we compute a couple of things. Are you still a customer? What's the probability you're still a customer? And what's your future value? How are you defining if you're still a customer? It's the inverse of the churn, right? So churn is the probability you're never coming back. Yeah. Right. And that's what churn is by definition. So one minus that is that you're still a customer. You're likely to buy again in the future. So the ones that are, does that make sense? I, I mean, it, it, it does. But then if, if say I'm like, you know, buying at a t-shirt, a, a store that sells t-shirts, I guess if I don't buy, if, if the aggregate buys a second product within six months, if I don't buy within six months, I've, I've churned out. But if I'm within that six month window, I'm still a customer. It's actually more specific than that. We're looking at, since we're looking at each individual, let's take the hair care product, right? We know how often you buy, you as an individual. But not only do we know how often you buy, we know how often each individual buys by product, right? And so we build a model of if you buy that product, if you're you and that product is the set, how do I get the max, the best fit against the entire set of consumers, right? That predicts the likelihood of buy for every single individual consumer. So like... You know, you buy, you know, you go through your hair, hair product fast, you're likely to buy every month. If it's six weeks out, you may just have churned, mm. right? Another guy buys every three months, right? Because it's more sporadic. So at two months, like he hasn't churned. Yeah. Right. So you need to know that. And so that data, and then you need to know the value, right? So this, the guy who buys every month is obviously worth more depending on the product than the guy who buys every three months. So we give you that segmentation, the ability to look at that on a customer by customer basis, right? And that becomes an overlay to your best in breed email marketing strategy or any kind of communication strategy you've got. You should still do best to breed personalized email 
kinds of communication, right? Talk about the product that people like, that they like to buy. But now you can do an overlay that says, well, these guys are going to buy anyway, <laughs> right? Do I, do I send them as many emails or do I send it less often? Probably don't want to put in an offer. Probably want to really think about an offer tied to recommendation instead of mm -hmm. an offer tied to purchase, right? Because these are your, your multi-buyers, really brand. They're really loyal to your brand, right? Then you've got your mid-tier, which are the, well, they're probably going to buy again but you might need to incent them to do it again, right? That's where you should really hit with the discount, right? And then you've got the low end guys, like they're probably never gonna buy from you again. You, know, I, you should probably figure out a different product to send them, cut them a couple of times and then just say, okay, I'm gonna stop sending them because I'm gonna get kind of, kind of for spam, right? So that's a separate segmentation than what product they're buying, what are the demographic characteristics, what kind of messages do they respond to, that we see the two things overlaying together to make a best of breed email and communication strategy. Mm. Yeah, what popped into my mind is like an RFM segmentation, recency, frequency, monetization, which right. maybe in some ways is like a different approach to the same outcome is like prioritize those who are the highest value, don't discount in order to get them back because they're going to purchase again. And then, yeah, you go down the line. I think RFM might have like nine different tiers or, or something. This gives yeah. you a more specific, makes it easier to do the RFM, right? Because it's just like, I can just slice them very easily. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think the the main takeaway in this, whether it is a direct-to-consumer brand or, or SaaS brand, it's the foundation still applies. Like, understand the value of your customers, understand how much it costs took you to acquire them, create different segments. And then the strategy in which you are um, spending more, assuming you're, you're using paid channels would differ depending on, on the different segments. And then just being thoughtful in terms of how you're going to retain them in an effort to reduce churn. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then you, Brian, can measure, you can measure the results on our platform and see how well you did. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So where can we learn more about you and, and Zinc? Come to Zinc.com. We talk about the platform there. We're happy to do a 30-day trial and demo for anyone who wants to see more about the product. And we just love talking to brands and understanding how their particular issues are playing out. Every brand has a slightly different story and slightly different set of issues. Totally. Yeah. Z-E-E-N-K.com. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great. Great to meet you. Thanks for the discussion. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.